40. Isaiah chapter 40, we are in a series and we're looking at some very special scriptures that are speaking to our spirit, right? Isaiah is a very complex book, and but throughout the book, there are these incredible statements that I want you to underline in your Bible, to mark in your U version, and I want you to get them in your hearts because they're promises from God. You know, today we've given you a lot of information about stuff that's happening at the church at Indian Lake. Lots of stuff is going on. And, and we want you to know about the programs of the church. But we're not here to lift up the programs of the church or to just give you information. We're here because God has a word for you. God has a word for you that is tested and true. And that word was true to people who heard this particular phrase 6,000 years ago when Isaiah was ministering. And it's just as true today, right now. God wants to speak to you. Isaiah 40, and we'll start with verse 6, says it this way. This this is a transition time now. Uh, There had been a lot, mostly words of judgment. And now a different kind of word came from God through Isaiah. Says it this way. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. Now here's a key verse. This is a classic verse in the scripture. Verse 8, our key verse today. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. This scripture was so important that when Peter was writing his first epistle, he repeats this very scripture. In 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 23, uh, we, we, we see that he says, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God, in verse 24, 4, and he quotes Isaiah 48, All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So here it is. There's a word picture. And it's a good time for me to preach on this word picture because it's spring. And by now, everyone started mowing their yard, I'm sure, or or, or purchased the service of having your yard mowed which I used to mow lawns growing up. And then last Easter, I decided to mow my yard the day before Easter service. And I came here on the biggest Sunday of the year and I couldn't preach very well because my voice wasn't strong. So um, I did the mass thing that didn't work out. So now I have to hire somebody. And here at our church, we have 17 acres. And that's a lot, a lot of grass here. And it is completely dependent on volunteers. Can you believe that? We have, our church is so incredible. We have such great men and women in this church that volunteers mow our yard. Who in here is part of our mowing team? We've got like 20 people now. Any hands? Okay, thank you. Thank you, guys. Can we thank them for that? So you're going to see a lot of scriptures today how God is speaking through grass. Because grass is something we all understand. And it's something that we've all seen. And we've seen the cyclical nature of grass. I mean, grass grows, then it dies, then it grows again. 
And there's certain things we can do to make our grass last longer, but pretty much we are victims of the season. We know that grass and wildflowers will come and then they will go. I love wildflowers. I grew up in Texas and our state flower is a blue bonnet. So there's a few weeks of the year where there are blue bonnets all over the highway. And then it gets so hot there, everything's dead by the 4th of July. But for that little time window, that's, that's really, really great. And so it is, we understand this. And God knew we would understand this. And so that's why he's used these scriptures as a word picture for us. What is grass? Grass is man, mankind, and really everything that's attached to mankind. Everything that's attached to mankind is like grass. It can spring up very quickly. A wildflower can come up very quickly and it's beautiful and attractive, but we know there's an end. We know that it will eventually fade away. We know that it, anything from man will will eventually die. And so because of that, because of that, there's something greater. There's something more reliable. And that's the word of our God. Now, I think it's really important that we are people who keep our word. That's something I try really, really hard to do is to keep my word. When I was in my adolescent years and I was understanding how life worked, I started realizing something that when just because people tell you they're going to do something doesn't mean they're going to come through. So that, that is just, I learned that lesson a hard way. I'm sure you have too. Now, because of that, I am very careful in what I say. I try very hard not to make a commitment I can't follow through. But having said that, I know that I, know that I, don't, always, I don't always follow through on what I say. I wish I did. And I think it's important. And I certainly think it's a sin to intentionally deceive someone. But it's just true that I'll, I'll tell somebody, yeah, I'm going to get that done or let's meet for lunch sometime or let's get together or yeah, I'll, I'll take care of that. And my natural mind will forget that. After church, I typically stand at the glass door and a lot of times some of you will say, Hey, can we get together this week? Or will you call me this week? And the question I will always say, remind me, send me a text, send me an email because I know my natural mind won't remember everything I said. Now that I'm a father, I realized my kids, they are always reminding me of things I promised. And my natural mind does not remember this, these things. So I don't know if that is, it's just my inability to remember things or if they're just really smart and they're trying to trick me. But the natural mind is going to forget something. And that's why it's this scripture, the scripture is so powerful because it has to point out our frailty. It, it points out our inadequacy. It points out our weakness to make God in our minds be in the place he's supposed to be. And he is great and he is the greatest. Here's the first observation I want to give you today is, is that man, man disappoints. Man changes. Man changes. Life is about change. And anything attached to mankind or anything attached to worldly systems will change. A lady in our church, one of my prayer partners, told me something very offhandedly. It wasn't like a deep statement, but it's really stuck with me. She, had, she is a military wife, and she's lived all over the world. And she said, made this statement recently. She said, Aaron, life is about change. And the quicker you accept that, the easier it is. 
It was just a, just a statement she made in conversation. It wasn't like a word from the Lord or you know, anything that, was, that she knew was deep and penetrating, but it certainly was. Those, those words have stuck with me. Life is about change, and change can be really hard. Change can be really hard. Something in our life that is really beautiful and precious to us now, it's going to die someday if it's not attached to the Lord. Now, I'm not here to depress you or minimize the things in your life, but I want you to be ready for that so you're putting your hope in something that doesn't change. Everything else is going to change. I love, I love the fact that my three kids attend this church. I mean, they have to. They're 9 and 11 and 13. <laughs> and I love worshiping together with them. But I'm already kind of preparing myself mentally for when one of them is 20 or 21 and they just kind of tell me, Dad, I'm going to check out another church. See, in my mind, I would love to think that my three kids will always go to this church. And maybe they will. But I want them serving the Lord. That's the most important thing. So the issue is that change is going to happen. And even though change is necessary sometimes, and it's good, and it's beneficial, it's still kind of hard. Nothing makes us remember that more than the month of May. Promotion Sunday in two weeks. Everyone's going to go to a new grade in our church and, and here in this county. So all our third graders are now fourth graders. All our eighth graders will be high school students. All our seniors will launch into adulthood. And all those changes are good. You don't want to perpetually be in fifth grade. I mean, that's not God's will for us to stay in fifth grade forever and ever and ever. It's time to move on. It's time to move forward. And that's exciting and it's good and it's beneficial, but simultaneously it's kind of sad. My son went to his fifth grade dance at his school at Whitten Elementary School Friday night. And all of us parents weren't allowed to go into the gym. We were stuck in the parking lot and we were excited for our kids, but we were a little sad too because we knew this was the last time they would be fifth graders. They'd all been together in school since kindergarten. These things change. If you put your hope in earthly things, it'll disappoint you. If you put your hope in things that are attached to only this life and say this, the way things are now or the way things are always going to be or I won't be happy, that's the case. You're setting yourself up for disappointment because life, life changes. And this metaphor of grass is used all through scripture. Psalms 37, here's one example of it. Psalms 37 says, Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. This is also in Psalm 103. Psalm 103, starting with verse 15. It says, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it's gone, and its place knows it no more. I love this. Here's the contrast. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his, help me out there. And, and his, it's in my notes, righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. 
Christy, you're doing a wonderful job. Christy is one of our most effective media engineers, but the computer is failing her today. So here it is. The steadfast love of the Lord is eternal. It matters. It's everlasting. It'll last. All the temporary stuff is going to change. Man's going to change. Man's going to be different. Man's going to always, always have a perpetual death, a death of something over and over and over again. So we can't trust in man. But there's something about longevity that matters. In advertising, longevity has great value. That's why when companies advertise, they'll, they'll tell you when they were established. This heating and air company has been established in Middle Tennessee since 1969. This mutual fund has been established since 1945. The idea of longevity, the idea of consistency, the idea of endurance means something to us. Why? Because everything attached to man usually changes. So whenever something's been established for a while, there's security in that. Whenever something's been established, there's a, there's a, a sense of reliability and trust that we long for. We long for trust. We long for stability. We long for roots. We long for fruit that only longevity brings. While I'm on this subject, can, can I just encourage you to value longevity in your life? We so easily quit on good things in our life. We quit jobs prematurely because of personally, personality conflicts or we don't like our manager. Sometimes we do that rashly. We don't get the long-term fruit of consistency. We quit our marriages way too early. Can I tell you, I've been married 15 years and you cannot put in words what longevity does. I know 15 years isn't long to some, but but sticking it out through some trials, sticking it out through some tough times. Beth and I, we've had tough times. Now we're at the best place we've ever been. Part of that is just sticking it out, just longevity. There's great, great fruit in longevity. So stick it out because when we do that, we're more like God. Now I know every situation is conditional. And so I'm not going to qualify every situation. There's time when God's doing something new. There's times when you're in a destructive atmosphere and the Holy Spirit will help you discern that. But I just want you to not quit easily, not quit without prayer, not give up until God has spoken, not give up uh, flippantly and just with no thought about it and no, no counsel from those who are wise around you and no prayer. We give up on something. We don't get the longevity. That's certainly true in church life. And I just commend those of you who are faithful to a church and who, who build on churches through tough times, through hard times, because we're a lot like God when we do that. Man changes, but here's the second point. God remains. God remains. Now, this is not, this is not something you've never heard before, most likely, but this is something you need to let God sink into your spirit today because we are trusting in things that are always changing. We're trusting in things that have no consistency. We're trusting in things that are unstable. We're trusting in things that, that have no track record. And the Lord says, I am from everlasting to everlasting. I am the Lord, your God from everlasting to everlasting. And God 
is immutable, meaning he doesn't change. He's consistent. God is who we can rely on. God is who we can trust. God is who we can depend upon. This is not just a simple little statement. This is an anchor for you to to base your life off of. God doesn't change. When everything else changes, God doesn't change. It's very likely that the field that you work in and the career that you have will have a major, major change in your life. Something will happen. We think about those who are in the, in the media industry. The whole media industry has changed. Think about Carl and Leanne in the music industry. The whole music industry has changed. As a pastor, the, the, way, the way church operates today has changed drastically. In the, in the 17 years I've been a pastor, things are worlds different. The way people respond to the message, the, the way people understand the gospel uh, and, and, and process things in a post-Christian America. It's much, much different. Things are totally different. But one thing's not different. God's not different. His word hasn't changed. His holiness hasn't changed. His standards hasn't changed. We can, we can analyze and we, we can come up with conclusions and we can talk this thing out over and over into circles. And when it's all said and done, man has changed, but God hasn't changed. He remains. He remains He's unchangeable. That's why Moses, when he wrote our song, Psalm 90, Psalm 90, he says something really, really beautiful. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. He probably didn't realize how meaningful that was when when they sang this. Now, this is Moses led the Jewish people who God gave them the land of Canaan. And then they were displaced to Egypt. And then they wandered in the desert. Then they came back to Canaan. And then they went to Babylon. And then now we know through contemporary history, the Jewish people have been scattered all over the world, in, in Europe, in Russia, in South America. Up until recent days, New York City had more Jews in New York than in Israel itself. That, that shifted just recently. The Jewish people have been scattered all over the world without a home until 70 years ago, now that Israel's been established. But the whole time, the whole time, their home was with God. Their home was with God. Isn't that beautiful? Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or even you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. There's that phrase again. You are God. You return man. See that word? You return man. Hello. You know, I know a lot, but I don't have the whole Bible memorized. I'm sorry to disappoint you people. There's something that never fails. That's called paper and pen, right? Huh? You return man to the dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. Now here's the grass metaphor again. They're like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and it is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. So, here was God's people, God's people who were in captivity and being oppressed and not in a great situation. And the word of the Lord comes from Isaiah. And he says it again. Let's look at, so we don't get too far from the text this morning. Let's go back to chapter 40, verse eight. And it says this, the grass withers, the flower fades. Now, the Babylonian army, I might not mean a lot to everyone, but they had come and captured the whole world, the whole known world at that time. And God's people were part of that. 
Later on, Isaiah prophesied, and we know from history, the Assyrians came and they did the same thing. Another nation. Here's what God's saying. The grass withers, the flowers fade. The Babylonians, they'll, they'll come up and they'll flower up, but then they'll die again. The Assyrians, they'll flower up and they'll die again. But the word of our God stands forever. Can I tell you this? We've seen this happen since 2007. The Dow Jones crashed. Now it's up, it's up again at record levels now. And I'm going to tell you, it'll, it'll go down and up again. Because the grass flourishes. The flower flourishes. The grass comes. And then it fades. And then it falls. Governments. You can study history and from the Greeks to the Romans down to now the United States of America. Nations rise and nations fall. The grass comes up. The flowers come up and they wither. But the word of God stands forever. Denominations rise. And they establish all of their principles of men. Not that denominations are bad, but anytime man gets involved, things get messed up, okay? So we're not anti-denomination. It's just the way it happens sometimes. The grass, the grass comes and it withers. But the message, the word of the Lord, fade, the word of the Lord stays forever. See, all the cities, all the cities that we get the New Testament from, Corinth, Ephesus, Philippi, from what I know, and I've been to some of those cities, that there is not a thriving church there anymore. There's not a thriving church. So even churches rise and fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. So that is where our hope is. Man changes, but God never changes. God doesn't have the ability to change. He can't change. He's trustworthy. He's reliable. He doesn't have the ability to to fail us. He does not have the ability to trick us. His character is known. He is the one we can rely on. Quit relying on stuff that's going to disappoint you. Quit putting your trust in stuff that's going to disappoint you over and over and over again. Don't trust in man. Don't trust in the economy. Don't trust in the government. Don't trust in military power. Don't trust in psychological techniques. Don't trust in education. There's nothing wrong with those things all by themselves. But without the Lord, you can't trust any of those things. You can't trust any of those things because they'll come and they'll go. The grass comes and then it withers. The flower flourishes and then it fails. But the word of the Lord stands forever. What is the word of the Lord? What is the word of the Lord? Immediately, we start thinking of personal application. Like the word of the Lord for me is, you know, God God spoke to me, Aaron, you're going to have a huge mega church and your face is going to be on billboards all over Nashville and you're going to have a book deal and make millions. That's the word of the Lord for me. That's what we think, right? Right? We, we think, you know, the word of the Lord is, is, is something personal, a new car, a new ministry, or something like that. that. That's where our natural mind, we go to automatically. But really, that's shallow. Because the, the word of the Lord is very specific. The word of the Lord is not just practical application. I guess it does have practical application. The word of the Lord is not a something. 
It's not a code we haven't unlocked. It's not a mystery we're, we're hoping to discover. The word of the Lord is not something that has been hidden from us. And, and if we have the right pastor or right evangelist or right religious leader, now we'll know what the word of the Lord. Can I tell you, the word of the Lord is among us. The word, the word of the Lord is in us. The word of the Lord is dwelling with us. The word of the Lord is here right now. The word of the Lord is not something distant or far. It's something right here. And here's what the word of the Lord is. The word of the Lord is Jesus. That's it. The word of the Lord is Jesus. Here's the third thing I want to say is Jesus fulfills. Man changes. God remains. But Jesus fulfills. Now, I got to tell you one of my favorite jokes. There was a Sunday school teacher teaching kids. And he told, the, he asked the kids this question. What is brown with a fluffy tail that jumps from tree to tree. Little boy raises his hand, says, well, it sure sounds like a squirrel, but I know the answer is Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that true in church, huh? Now, there's, there's two meanings to that joke because jokes communicate. You know, one is this, is that we have to be careful to not just give religious answers and not have open dialogue and not be able to question and not be able to, to, to have an, an answer that's authentic and real and just say Jesus all the time. So that's, that's one interpretation of the joke, probably the first interpretation. But the, but the second interpretation is, is kind of accurate because everything goes back to Jesus in our faith. The entire Old Testament prepares us for Jesus and the entire New Testament explains Jesus. And when God's people who were under military oppression, who had lost their national identity, who, who were being oppressed, and the word of the Lord was, not only are you oppressed by the Babylonians, you're going to be oppressed by another people, the Assyrians. But here's the deal. They'll, man, they're going to, they're going to perish. The grass is going to perish. The flowers will fail. But the word of the Lord stands forever. Not military power. Not political might. Not a king, an earthly king. The word of the Lord stands forever. Here's the word of the Lord. John chapter 1, starting with verse 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. This is really important. And there's some other cultic religions who have changed the interpretation of John chapter 1. So this is, John chapter 1 is a very important chapter in our Bible. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Now let's go to verse 14. What, who are they talking about here? And the word became flesh dwelt among us. Can I tell you who the word is? It's not a, a fluffy brown squirrel. And here's the right answer. The word is Jesus. And the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Let's go back to Isaiah 48. Here it is. And this again is in 1 Peter one twenty three. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. 
Kingdoms will rise and kingdoms will fall, but Jesus will stand forever. I love America. I'm a patriot. On a personal side, I'm politically involved. I don't preach politics. I just do my civic duty. So I believe in America. I'm a patriot. Who knows? I may even run for office someday. You can say we knew him when he was a pastor. How about that? So, but having said all that, I'll say this. America may fall. God forbid it happen. America may rise and America may fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Churches may rise and fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. The word of the Lord is what you can count on. Here's my concern for us today. As I feel like some of us are trusting the wrong source. We're trusting our company. We're trusting our supervisor. We're trusting our boss. We're trusting maybe relationally um, the idea of a spouse. Whether we have a spouse or hope for a spouse. We're trusting in money. And we think that if I just had so much money in savings, had so much money in retirement, I could relax. I could be stress-free. If I had that, I wouldn't have another worry. Can I tell you that power and money and romance and relationships and all those things without Jesus as a center of it will corrupt in your hand. And it will, instead of being a blessing, it'll be a distraction. Instead of being something God wants to use to bless your life, it can keep your heart from the Lord. You see, God's people didn't recognize Jesus because they were looking... God's people didn't recognize Jesus because they were looking for the wrong thing. And and they did not see Jesus. Some of us were looking for something else to fulfill our lives besides Jesus. Something else. And we're looking for a different word. A different word. And things that come and things that go. Pastors will inspire you, then they'll disappoint you. 242 groups will be perfect and then they'll change. Even the the people closest to you will be your best encourager and then they'll say something to discourage you. But the word of the Lord stands forever, from everlasting to everlasting. You can count on Jesus. He's gonna come through for you. He's dependable. He's trustworthy. You can rely on him. When everything else changes, he doesn't change. When everything else disappoints, he'll never disappoint. When everything else causes you to feel hopeless, his hope never, ever ends. His hope never fades. That's who our God is. Would you stand with me? Father.